Uh, Pastor, you've been talking about people of the way, and um, uh, we've been looking at the phrase, uh, these people. Uh, you know, in, I think it's in Acts chapter 4, it says about, they noticed that these men were ordinary men, but they took note that they'd been with Jesus. And these people, and I think in Acts chapter 7, they turned the known world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But uh, this morning I was praying a lot and saying, God, what do you want me to speak? And I'm, I'm coming with a tough topic, so I pray you'll give me grace. <laughs> it's, it's a topic that has broken my heart. I'm in the middle of uh, God working with me in this particular topic. And the topic that I'm going to be speaking on is, uh, has the glory departed? Has the glory departed? And if so, why? And the last question is, how can we get back the glory of God? It's a topic I don't think we can finish in 30 minutes. Uh, it could take me the next 20 years of my life to wrestle through with God. I'm going to look at two passages, uh, one for Samuel chapter 4 and for Samuel chapter 7. I'm going to look at those two passages. I don't have PowerPoint, uh, but I just want to go through scriptures and just wait on the Lord and say, God, what do you have for us? You know, COVID has exposed poverty to a level that we've not seen before. In March, when the word came out, uh, everybody stay at home. What do, you say a home. what do you say to a homeless man? Where does he stay? He knew he was homeless, but the very fact that everybody was told, go back home, stay in your home, don't get out of your house. It just exposed poverty. And it's funny, uh, Pastor, especially when COVID hit, everybody was out trying to get toilet papers. I don't know why toilet papers. I, I don't know. Why couldn't it be a bag of milk, bread? But it was toilet papers. But you know, for our homeless men, it wasn't toilet papers. They were looking for a washroom. And the sad part is they couldn't find none. The Timordans were closed. The libraries were closed. The parks were closed. The city was shut down. And they couldn't find a washroom. And we were trying to fight to get that last bit of toilet papers and going back home. You know, COVID just exposed poverty. But this morning I feel I want to talk about the poverty of the soul. Kevin prayed about that. Uh, you know, the, the poverty uh, in our spirit man, that was exposed. What is inside the church was exposed. I was talking to a pastor from Collingwood, and, and he was saying a lot of people have stopped coming to church, and a lot of churches, mainline churches, have closed down in Collingwood. It has exposed the whole religious system and has exposed the spiritual poverty that we're walking in. So in that context, I want to look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4. Um, but before I look at 1 Samuel chapter 4, I, I want to give you a little bit of a background on what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 1, 2, and 3. Are you okay with that? Are you with me? You know, the, the Hebrew word that I'm going to talk about is Ichabod. 
You find that in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4, which actually means the glory has departed. In chapter 4, there's a word, Ichabod, the glory has departed. But in chapter 7, there's another Hebrew word called Ebenezer, which says, thus far, the Lord has been with us. And this morning, I want us to be raw before God. I want you to be honest before God. And ask yourself the question, is there areas in your life where you will call it Ichabod because the glory has departed? And if it is so, how can we rename it Ebenezer and call it thus far, the Lord has been with me? We're going to wrestle with that. I'm wrestling with that. And I'm not through this. I I really feel God is leading us, leading me, and I believe he's going to lead you as we wrestle through the aspect of the word Ichabod. You look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, God always has a remnant, isn't it? God, You know, when you looked at the people of the way, God had a remnant. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, you find a a woman named Hannah. There is uh, Elkanah, who's married to two women, Penaniah and Hannah, Penina is having children, she's blessed, she's having a wonderful life, and Hannah doesn't have any children, and the Bible says the Lord closed her womb. The Lord, it wasn't the demonic realm, it wasn't a problem that she had physically, the Lord closed her womb. The Lord was squeezing Hannah, because she was part of the remnant. And you'll find her going before God and praying, and, and to a place when your prayers don't have words, but she's so drunk in prayer, going before God. She's been persecuted in the house of the Lord. She's been crushed. Her husband says, uh, you know, am I not better than ten, ten sons? And mothers will know, husband can never take the place of a child. And here's a woman in despair saying, God, give me a child. But the Lord closed her womb. And out of that cry, and out of that drunken prayer, and out of that commitment, she says, God, I'll give this person back to you. If you were to give me this child, I'm going to give this child back to you. The Lord touches her. The Lord blesses her. And one of the questions I would ask you is, have you been drunk in prayer? When no words came out. But here's a woman who is so squeezed, But God's purposes came out. And as Samuel is born, she names him Samuel because she, you know, this is from the Lord. The Lord has blessed me. And there's the birth of Samuel. And you go back to to chapter 2, you'll find the chaos in the temple of the Lord. It's inside the house that Hophni and Phineas are are the priests in the house. Their father, Eli, is a priest, and their sons are the priests in the house. And they were taking things that were sacred in the house of the Lord for themselves. They were mishandling the offerings that were brought into the temple. They were committing adultery in the temple. The temple was in a mess. And the beauty of COVID and the beauty of what's happening around is God is exposing What needs to be exposed? But in that context of brokenness, there was Samuel. 
There was a little boy, Samuel. And there's a phrase that you'll, you'll read in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Samuel ministered to the Lord. Samuel ministered to the Lord. And I want to challenge you. It, he, he didn't pray. He didn't intercede. He didn't go with the grocery list. He ministered to God. He said, Lord, I love you. What can I do for you? How are you feeling today? Is there anything that I need to pray for? What would you want me to do? He ministered to God. In a place of chaos, there was a remnant. That boy, the little boy, Samuel, was there before God. It's interesting. In, 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 I'm go- I haven't come to the place of talking about Ichabod, but give me some room. I want to give you the background of First Samuel chapter 4. In, in First Samuel chapter 2, when Hannah comes and gives back the child, I've got two boys, I don't think I can ever give my child, children away. As parents, you know, you cannot give your child away. Here's a woman who knows there's, there's adultery being committed in the temple. There's chaos in the temple. Yet she leaves a little boy to the Lord. And I'm not sure if I was there, I would have been broken. I would have been weeping. I would have been crying. But 1 Samuel chapter 2, she bursts out in worship and adoration to God. How does that happen? Because she found someone greater than her son through this process. You go to a place where you you can give up everything and you can find God and you'll find that's all matters. There's Hannah in a place coming in when there's chaos in the temple. Then comes Samuel who constantly ministers to the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, you'll find that in those days, visions and revelations were rare. The Lord stopped speaking to the people of God, to to his people, because the temple was in chaos. And you find the phrase that Eli the priest was lying down in his usual place, but Samuel was lying down close to the ark. Samuel, through this process, there is one man saying, God, I'm going to be different. I want to be close to you. God chose to speak to Samuel. Called him three times, spoke to him, gave him the prophetic word. So that's what happens in the first three chapters of 1 Samuel. Can I jump into 1 Samuel chapter 4? Are you with me? This is one of the saddest chapters. And you might wonder, why did I come to church to listen to a sad story? Uh, But believe me, this is something God is breaking my heart. God is making me raw before him. God is stripping when the music fades and all is stripped away. And I I feel God is in the place of stripping everything in my life and saying, Peter, can you come just as you are before me? Because I believe God has something great to do in our lives. But he needs to strip away things that need to be stripped away. Let me jump into uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4. And I'm going to read some verses from here. Uh, Let me find it. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped. It's 1 Samuel chapter 4. I'm going to skip some verses. I'll just read highlights. Uh, They go for war. In verse 2, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed 4,000 men of their army in the field. When the people had come into the camp, 
the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, and when it comes among us, it will save us from the hand of the enemies. So they go, bring the ark of the covenant. Here Israel goes for war. They lose 4,000 men. And they ask the question, why has the Lord, Israel was defeated, why has the Lord defeated us today? You have to ask that question. When, when things happen in your life, you need to ask the question, God, why, why is this happening? Why are we defeated? But the sad part is they could not put two and two together saying there is sin in the house of the Lord. We have walked away from the presence of God. And we need to get back. They couldn't come there. But they blamed God and said, you know, they took the Ark of the Covenant. And I, 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 I'll need a lot of time to study about the Ark of the Covenant. But I pray you'll go back and read about the Ark of the Covenant. Is that okay? Would you do that? It's, it's, a, it's a great thing to study about the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. Are you with me? And, and, and the people of Israel in Joshua chapter 3, remember the, they, they, they crossed the river Jordan. What did they do? The elders carried, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant. As soon as their feet touched the river, the river split open. And the people could cross Jordan River. In Joshua chapter 6, the, the, war, the walls of Jericho coming, falling down. What were they doing? The priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, walking all around. And on the seventh day, after they went around seven times, they gave a huge shout, and the walls of Jericho came down. So the Ark represented victory. The Ark represented the presence of God. They knew if the Ark of the Lord covenant would come, there will be victory. And I want to say, you know, that there's something powerful about the presence of God. Can I get an amen? amen. It, it, just during worship. I mean, I, we can just stay here. And I'm glad there's no preaching in heaven. There's going to be just worship. But we can just enjoy His presence. When, you know, in Balak and Balaam, and, 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 and when they were trying to curse the people of Israel... They could not curse the people of Israel because the presence of God was there. There's something very powerful about God's presence in your life. God's presence in your household. And that ark represented the presence of God. So with five onwards, when the ark of the covenant came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Verse 11, verse 10, I, I'll jump to verse 10. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. Every man fled to his tents. There was a great slaughter and there fell 30,000 foot soldiers. And the ark of God was captured and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. I told you it's a sad chapter. There was a great shout. But God wasn't with them. Thirty thousand people are killed. Hophni and Phineas, two of the priests, are dead, and more than anything, the Ark of the Covenant is captured. Which fell onwards, then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day and came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. 
And when he came there, there was Eli sitting on the seat of the wayside, by the wayside, watching, and for his heart trembled for the ark of God. Verse 14, and then it happened when the middle, when he made mention that the ark of God, uh, about the ark of God being captured, then Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy. First Hophni and Phinehas die. Then Eli, the priest, dies. Verse 19 onwards, and his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was with child, due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured, and her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you are born a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard, she give, she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed. It's a very, very sad story. 30,000 foot soldiers are killed. Eli, the priest, is killed. His two sons are killed. His daughter-in-law dies while giving birth to a child. And the child is named Ichabod. I go back to that question, and I go back to the question God has been asking me. Peter, are there areas in your life where you would call Ichabod the glory has departed? Can I jump into why? Why the glory had departed? I think we look at verse, verse 3 of 1 Samuel chapter 4. Just that verse, uh, you know, I want to look at that. And when the people had come into camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us. When it comes among us, it will save us from the land, from the hand of our enemies. Can I read it again? Especially the last part. There's two words that keeps being repeated. Let us, the word us, and the word it. Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Charlotte to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of the enemies. Suddenly God has become what? An it. God has become an it. And this verse has hit me so hard in the last few weeks and last few months, and I'm not through it as yet. You know, God says, I will not share my glory with anyone else. And God is real. You know, if you study about the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, you find the number of times people are killed when they looked into the Ark and not without the blood of the Lamb. And that's why Jesus Christ shed his blood that we can walk into the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because of the blood of the Lamb. But we take it for granted. You and I take it for granted. It becomes an it. When religion replaces relationship, it becomes a form. I have to read my Bible. I have to say those few words of prayer, and I have to walk. I have a lot to do. I have to drive down DBP and 401. I have an hour's commute to work. I have my kids. I have to wash the dishes. I've got to cook. And it becomes an it, a process that I, I, I'm in a treadmill. And then we ask the question, God, why are we defeated? 
Has the glory left? Has the glory departed? You know, when, when, the, when form replaces fervency, when patterns replaces the principle of who God is, See, I can cut and paste. See, I, I love Bethel. I've been to Bethel so, so many times. I love Bethel music. I, I love Hillsong music. And I love worship. But if I cut and just paste, and if I can just get the smoke and the lights and the particular beat, it's a form. And I'm not against it. Pastor, we do sing those songs. And I love the worship here. In, in my own personal life, when I was a new believer, uh, I, 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 was, I, I just went all out for the Lord. I, I had a two-year encounter with God. Two years, I wrestled. I was a mathematician, so for me, I needed proof. And it got, God took two years to prove to me that he was real. But I was, I was hungry for God. And every morning, I used to take my guitar, and I used to worship God with my guitar, and that's how I entered into the presence of God every morning. That's how I enjoyed. As soon as I strummed that guitar, I got into the throne room of God, and there I was. And one day the Lord said to me, I hate your guitar. <laughs> Not that I was a good guitarist. But I couldn't get into the presence of God without the strumming of the guitar. God is a jealous God. He wanted me raw. He just wanted me. Because God wanted me alone. Because he was taking me to places where only you, he and me could go. And my prayer to you is, and I, I, I'm going through this process myself. What are the areas where I would call it Ichabod? The glory has gone. I'm just doing it because I have to do it. I have to do this. I have to do this. But there is a glory down. There is a there's something wonderful about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He wants to commune with you. Later you'll find in Hannah, when she made that sacrifice of giving a child, the Bible says the Lord visited Hannah. Not just spoke to her. Not spoke to a dream. Visited Hannah. When that level of sacrifice and, and being raw before God went to the throne room of God, God says, I can't keep quiet. I've got to go and visit this woman. And I pray you and I will look very honestly in our areas where you say it's an Ichabod. The glory has departed. The glory has departed. Can I jump into 1 Samuel chapter 7? Before I do that, I, I want to read one more passage in 1 Kings chapter 18. Um, it's, it's about a Hezekiah, you know, uh, you know, the Hezekiah, one of the things he, he did is when, uh, you know, he removed all the, verse 4, uh, all the high places, broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image, and broke in pieces. Uh, look at this verse. He broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made, for until those days the children of Israel burnt incense to it and called it Neshtan. Remember the time when the snakes came and bit the people of Israel? And God told Moses, make a snake, lift it up in a pole, and anybody who looks at the snake will get healed. 
In fact, in John chapter 3, God says, even so as the snake was lifted up, God says, the son of man will be lifted up. Anyone who looks to him will be saved. It's a powerful thing that he did. But what happened? They took that object and started worshipping that object. Hezekiah had to break it. And my prayer is you look at your life and say, God, a form has taken over my genuine relationship with you. I want to love you. I want to follow you. I want to come back just to be there with you, God. Let me jump into 1 Samuel chapter 7. How do we get the glory back? 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 2 onwards. It says, so it was that the ark remained in Kirith, Jerem, a long time. It was there, 20 years. 20 years, the ark of the covenant was remained in Kirjath, Jeria. Samuel, verse 3. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your heart, and put away the foreign gods, and the Ashrafs form from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord, and serve him only, he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children put away the Baals and the Ashrafs, and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather, gather all children, all Israel, to Mizpah, and I'll pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together in Mizpah, drew water, poured out to the, before the Lord. They fasted that day. We have sinned against the Lord and Lord. And, and Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. When the ch- Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered, uh, you know, they went, went to war against Israel. Uh, verse 8, so the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Verse 9, And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against the Israelites. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder about the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. Verse 11, And the men of Israel went out to Mizpah, pursued the Philistines, drove them back as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Verse 13, So the Philistines were subdued. They did not come anymore into the territory of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Verse 14, and the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel. Can I run through a handful of things from this, these verses? The glory came back. Glory came back. I'll, I'll leave three words to get back the glory. But I want to say, you know, here was Samuel who knew how to go into the throne room of God. Remember, in all this, here's a man who ministered unto God. Ministered unto God. And I pray there will be Samuels who are birthed today. Not intercessors. And I pray you that I, there are intercessors who are needed. I'm not against intercessors. I'm not against people who can pray all sorts of prayers. But would you be a man and a woman saying, God, here am I. I want to minister to you. I want to love you. I want to be there for you. Not for anything of God. Just because what you've done at the cross is enough. I'm here. I want to minister to you. God chose one man who knew how to touch the heavens. And change everything around. Three things happen. You find that, you know, uh, 
So the Philistines were subdued. Verse 13. Your enemy will be subdued. And they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. It was a victory forever. And, and verse 14, the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel was restored. There was restoration. The enemy was subdued. And he couldn't come back again. And even what you lost, you got back. How do I come to that place? I, I want to leave verse 3. And I want to leave three simple words. And I want to close with this. He says, put away your foreign gods. So the children put away, verse 4, the Baals and the Ashrafs and serve the Lord only. The first thing I want to, the word I want to say is remove. Remove what needs to be removed. Remove the Baals. Ashrafs is the, is the woman version of, of the demonic realm where the prostitution and all that thing, the sexual perversion that was taking place. And Baal is an idol. Anything that takes place, the of God is an idol. And my prayer is you'll be raw before God and saying, God, I want to remove anything, anything, anything. If I made my children, you know, uh, to Eli, he says, you've honored your son more than me. You've honored your children more than me. There's a place where you have a jealous God and you can be raw before God and saying, God, Whatever needs to be removed, even tell me, God, show me. In the season where the glory of the Lord will come and God will show himself up, God is saying, remove. The second word I want to leave behind is return. They returned. Return. Return. Come back. Come back. And it, I do want to say there's so much, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's no more rivals. And we sing that song. I feel there's so many rivals to God. And we're given so easily. My prayer is let's return back to God. With honesty saying, God, I don't want any of that. I want you. Some things are not sin. It's not the balls and the ashrafs that you have to remove. But there are certain things I'll say, God, I don't need any of that. I'm coming back to you, God. Draw me close to you, God. Give me a heart of worship, oh God. And the third thing I want to leave behind, rest in the all-sufficiency of God. Rest in the all-sufficiency of God. And I, I, I stress on the all-sufficiency of God because sometimes we cling on to so many other things that will satisfy us. But I say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside green pastures. God, give me that rest. I don't need anything else. I don't need anything else. I don't want to be like someone else. I don't want to be in this rat race of God. I just need you. And I want to be resting in your presence. That's one of the things COVID has done. It has exposed the running around that we've been doing. But my prayers will get back to a place of just resting with God. I want to close with two things. And this is something God is dealing with me. And I prayed. I, I actually wanted to talk about the Good Samaritan story. But I felt God saying, no, I want you to talk about this. Be raw before God. If there are areas in your life, you call it, this is a Nicobot. The glory has departed. 
There's a form. But God is not there anymore. Be honest. And say, God, I want to make it an Ebenezer. Thus far, the Lord has been with me. God, what do I need to do to change that world that I'm living in? And I will leave those three words. Remove. Remove. Remove what needs to be done. I'm being very honest. If it's relationships, if it's it's the time that you spend in Facebook, if it's certain things that you need to just remove, if it's certain, you know, uh, websites that need to be cut out, if it's just remove. Anything that takes the place of God, just remove. There's only 24 hours given to all of us. But in that 24 hours, if you're giving so much time for many other things other than God, remove certain things and come back to God. Can you return to God? Can we return to God? Can we return to God? He's so beautiful. He's so wonderful. He's so loving. He cares for you. He died for you. What more can he do? Let's come back and say, God, here am I. Can we come to a place of rest? Rest in the all-sufficiency of God. That simple phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't need anything else. It's not that you had everything because God is with me. I don't need anything else. Rest in the all-sufficiency of God. Let's pray. If there's anyone here who has never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, You've been a religious person. You've been doing a lot of religious things, but you don't know, know him as your own personal savior. I would say, today's the day you can commit your life to him. I would say it's ABC, accept you're a sinner. B, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. C, commit your life to him. If you're such a person, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer and in, in your heart, or if you want to confess in your mouth, you might be watching through YouTube. You could be sitting here. If you could repeat this prayer, even in your heart, saying, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Forgive me, God. I commit my life to you. You take over my life, God. From this moment onwards, it's no longer I that liveth a God. It's you. I commit my life completely to you. there's anyone else who's like me, broken and saying, God, the glory has departed. I want to come back. I want to come back. I want to place the places that's an Ichabod, I want to make it into an Ebenezer. Can we be honest before God and say, God, show me what needs to be removed and I will remove it, oh God. Can we ask God to give us a heart of flesh and say, God, I want to return back to you with, with absolute love for you and nothing else but love for you, God. Can you also pray, say, God, give me rest. Do not make me anxious. Do not make me worried. When I have you as my daddy, why should I be worried? If you're such a person, I'm going to give you a few seconds in your own heart, recommit your life to God.
Father, we come raw before you. I thank you that COVID stripped everything away, God. And God, I just lift up those men and women who were prayed today. And they brought situations where they are calling it an Ichabod, of God, in their lives. Would you intervene, oh Father God? Would you come? God, every form of religion that we put on and every way we have faked it, oh God, and, 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 but we are not real before you. When you want to give us the fullness, when you have, oh God, unto him is able to do beyond what you can think or imagine. And that's where you are. And God, here we are, far away from you. Draw us back to you, God. Draw us back to you. God, my prayer is you'll change the situations in our life, which is an Ichabod. And would you make it an Ebenezer? Thus far, the Lord has been with us. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you. Continue to speak to us. Continue to work in us. Holy Spirit, we give you permission, not just this Sunday morning, oh God. Continue to work deep in our hearts, oh God, that truly God will become more like you. Thank you, Father. In your name we pray this prayer. Amen.